Welcome to Lighthouse 8 to 5 podcast. Hope you enjoy this message. Well, good morning. Man, it's so good to see you guys all here today. I was gone last week. We had this awesome guy named Jake come in. Uh, just lower my mic on the, on the um, channel one, just a hair. It's, it's kind of echoing. Miranda, just lower number one, just, just a tad. Um, my buddy Jake came in last week, and I heard he did an awesome job. I absolutely love him so much. Uh, do you guys like hearing Jake last week? Yeah. Did he, I haven't listened to podcasts yet, but did he have any funny stories? No? Well, he was restrained. Uh, that's awesome. He, I absolutely love him. He, he is such a character. He's so, he's so smart, and he's so funny, and he's just, he, he loves Jesus so much. And uh, I, I had to share one story, even though I wish I could have introduced him and shared the story then. But my wife and I, we knew him in college, and his wife, Ani, I think Ani was here also. And I remember he, he just loved her. Like, before even dating, he's like, this is the woman I'm going to marry. And so he just kept trying to, like, you know, he was just trying to go for it, trying to go for it, trying to go for it. And she just kept closing the door over and over. And then at one point, um, she says... I'm waiting on a green light from, from God before I start dating towards marriage. And Jake goes, okay. And he started wearing green shirts. <laughs> That's, that is Jake. It's like, oh, well, make sure uh, me and God partnered up through the color of my shirt. <laughs> oh, I love him. Um, Stressed, blessed, and coffee obsessed. Um, this series, entitled Brew, is, is literally following the life of a coffee, coffee bean um, in its entirety. Today, we're, we're looking at the coffee bean starting on the farm, and we're going to follow it through all the processes, and we're going to end with, obviously, a cup of coffee. But what's interesting is the life of the coffee bean is literally complete service, from birth to death, it is the fullest picture of serving. It really is. It, from the moment it's plucked through all the process it goes through, all the refining, all the grinding, all, everything, the packaging, all that it endures, all that it goes through is literally just serving. And it was such a, a unique insight looking at all the different steps, the seven steps along the way of a coffee bean, and looking at how what how it interacts with the farmer is how God interacts with us. And how the different interactions, all the processes happen is, is literally how Jesus and God partner together in our lives to, to equip us and change us and develop us and, and work on our lives. So we're, we're called to serve the kingdom of God. And we're looking at that insight, that creative look at it. Man, there, there's really nothing in it for the coffee bean. Like, it doesn't get anything out of it. Just the satisfaction of knowing that it was chosen by the farmer to serve another. And we are the coffee bean. God's the farmer. And we are serving others through the entire process. Uh, the tagline for the series is, Coffee Does the Kingdom Good. That's, that's what you're going to be hearing a lot through the whole series. As we're talking about coffee, please remember, yes, we have coffee. Yes, all of the above. But we are, we're putting ourselves in the shoes of the coffee bean. That, that's what we're looking at here. 
it's kind of interesting because when, from the moment that the, the at the farm, when the, the farmer's walking up and he's inspecting all the leaves and the plants, you obviously don't pull off the coffee beans right away, right? There, there's a season of growth that happens before they're pulled to be ripe. You have to wait on it. And so at one point, the farmer's walking along, and he has to literally take the coffee bean, it looks like a, a cherry almost, takes it off of the plant, plucks it, and removes it from what's connecting itself to the earth separates it from what it's been connected to this entire time and has to carry it towards its next uh, endeavor, its next goal. It's, it's when it goes into drying. But there's this moment of in-between where the bean has been separated and the bean's like looking forward, looking at itself, and then like looking back, right? If, if, if beans could look. Um, but it's like, I, I just came from there. That was comfortable, that was nice. I, I enjoyed it. I liked it. And I got ripped out. And, I can't, and the bean can never go back. Once it's been plucked off, it, it can't get reconnected, right? No amount of super glue is going to reconnect all the little veins and sinews that connects all the watering and the nutrients that has to happen. Once it's plucked, it's removed. And then the farmer is carrying it. And it's in this in-between state. And a lot of times, as believers, this is, the, this is what happens when we're saved, and salvation occurs. See, God plucks us from the earth, we're separated and severed through salvation, and then he's carrying us into refinement. But there's this, like, in-between state that happens. Like, have you ever experienced this? I, I, I went through it, where it's like, I'm saved, but I'm looking back at what I just had, and I was like, well, that was nice and comfortable, and I liked it, but God's carrying me forward, and it's kind of like this <laughs> like, like this in-between, right? And it's like, I, I, I like what I had, and I've been ripped from it. And it's like, sometimes as believers, we can want to try to jump back into it, and it, it kind of feels wrong because we're trying to reconnect into our past selves and our past lives, but it doesn't work. And so God is carrying us along, and today's message is really about the, that separation anxiety, that, that stressor that happens, right? And this is maybe, maybe you're not saved, maybe you are saved, maybe you've been saved for your whole life, but this, this happens at some point in everyone's life where we're separated and then we keep looking back, but really God's saying, I'm, I'm carrying you to your next season. And it's in this moment, this moment is so beautiful and unique. Because a lot of times as a believer, it's like, man, if I'm separated, God, just throw me into my next season already. Like, I just want to start it. <laughs> I don't want to sit here with this separation anxiety, being stressed out, looking back, looking forward, not really knowing. And this is the season that we miss oftentimes. This is the season that we learn to trust being in God's hands. Because this is the only time that God is cradling us, carrying us, and moving us to what's to come. The, the refinement, the drying, the, the, all this stuff. And so today's message is really about those aspects. Going from being connected to our earthly selves with God plucking us out and being able to transition into our next season. Okay? Are we track? Uh, I, that's my introduction. We're going to move into it, okay? If you don't get it yet, we'll get it in a second. So number one, attitude without perspective. Attitude without perspective. See, in the moment when we're, when we're plucked by God and, and salvation occurs and we choose this free gift that God gives us, 
we need to have the right perspective. There's this perspective shift that needs to happen. We need to have the right insight. We need to have the right understanding of what God is speaking to us in this moment. See, without the right perspective, we can, A, feel like we're plucked from the earth, like, like ripped from it. It's like, hey, can you be more gentle? Like, what, what's the deal here? And, it, and literally, we can have this perspective of, oh, God just ripped me out of this. And we can have this resentment build up of this fear of missing out. It's like, well, this and that and then blah, 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 and they're doing this. And, and if we're focused more on what we're missing out from the earth than what God is taking us to, we can really have a bad perspective. Our, our attitude can be corrupted in this. And B, attitude without perspective, we can have this feeling of being disconnected. The, this concept of, I don't feel like I belong. Salvation happened, or, or maybe I'm on the cusp of it, or maybe God has just started intervening in my life, and now I feel disconnected or isolated, and I don't get it. And that's, that's these moments that God is speaking, hey, you know what I'm doing right now in your life? I'm trying to get you to stop trusting in others and trusting in me. And that's what's happening. It's not this disconnected, oh, I'm trying to isolate you from everything. God's saying, no, I need you to trust in me because when real stuff starts to happen, I need you to turn towards me and be the strong rock that I've called you to be. Disconnected. Attitude without perspective. The last thing is if we don't have the right perspective, our attitude will be, see, longing to return. See, if we don't have the right perspective of God has chosen me and called me and saved me and given me this free gift of everything and he's taking me towards this new season in my life, if we don't have that perspective of God is moving me forward in life, we could turn around and say, I want to go back. And God's pulling us backwards in life. I would moonwalk right now, but I can't. (laughs) But we have this, this attitude that can corrupt everything we're doing, this, this longing to return. I, I, I'm convinced that every single person has, has had this, maybe even for a millisecond in their lives, this attitude of, uh, I, you know what, I feel like I just got ripped out of my life, or I feel like I'm missing out, or I feel like I'm disconnected. And it's really interesting because <clears throat> there's a story in the Old Testament that has like, this exact thing happening. But it's physically happening rather than emotionally happening. I've said this before, and I just want to clarify again. Whenever you're reading the Bible, it's broken into two sections, the Old Testament and the New Testament. And the Old Testament is before Jesus died on the cross. The New Testament is Jesus has died on the cross, and now we can live in our, our fullness of salvation. But what's really unique about the Old Testament is when stories happen, when things happen, It's physically happening to the person so that now on this side of Jesus dying on the cross, what we see happening physically is what's happening to us emotionally now. So when when it describes this person did this and then this was what happened, that's what God's saying. When you do that, that's what's happening mentally and emotionally in your life at that moment. So Genesis 19, I wanted to start off this series on... uh, I would say like one of the most catastrophic stories. It, such a downer story, but it really illustrates this, this point so well. Genesis 19, 24 through 28. This is Lot's wife. 
Lot had a family, uh, a wife. He had four daughters. They lived in the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. It was all kind of corruption, just chaos. Uh, I don't have enough time to read all the chaos today. So if you want to have some uh, novella reading, go into Genesis 18 and 19, check it out. (laughs) But it's the Latina soap operas, if you did not know what that is. Uh, Genesis 19, I want to read the ending of the story. This is the moment where they're leaving the city and Lot's wife looks back, which she was told, just don't look back. And she looks back. Then God rained brimstone and fire down on Sodom and Gomorrah, a river of lava from God out of the sky, and destroyed these cities and the entire plain and everyone who lived in the cities and everything that grew from the ground. But Lot's wife looked back and turned into a pillar of salt. We usually stop the story there. If you've ever been in church, that's usually where it stops, and it's like, oh, she looked back. It's blah, blah. Have you ever read the next verse? Abraham got up early the next morning and went to the place he had so recently stood with God. He looked out over Sodom and Gomorrah, surveying the whole plain. All he could see was smoke belching from the earth like smoke from a furnace. What's interesting is God said no one looked back on the city. Did you, ever, did you know that? Two people looked at the city? Don't, don't, don't you know, raise your hand if you knew that or not, didn't. But I think that's really interesting. We never go on to read the next verse. So Lot's wife looked back. She died. Abraham looked back. He didn't die. We're going to pick that up later. But what we're going to focus on right now is Lot's wife was looking back because she didn't have God's perspective. God was saving this family to serve him. It's literally what God was calling these, these, all these families to, Abraham's family, Lot's family, all of them. He's saying, I, I, I'm, I'm pulling you up out of your ancestors' places to come serve me. It's this whole concept. And, and a lot of times we could think, oh, wait a minute, hold on. What, do I, what am I signing up for here with, with serving? Like, I want some details. Give me some bullets. Like, what's happening with the service? Is this going to be hard? Is it manual labor? Like, what do I need to know before doing this? And what's interesting is the Bible clearly defines serving comes in three forms. There's three different words for serving, and that's it. So number two, the three types of serving in the Bible. A, forced to serve another harshly. So this, this word is, is like always littered throughout the Bible when it's talking about God's people being forced into slavery and bondage. This is people getting whipped. This is people having to do all these horrific things in the Bible. It describes it as that. And then it parallels it saying, when you're, when you're not living with God and you're living in sin and when all these things are happening, you are like these people. You are being serving in bondage harshly. The Bible describes it as that, as you're living in this sin and, the, and all these things. And then it goes on, describes another serving word. B, choose to serve with a bad heart. In the Bible, it describes people uh, helping and serving, but their, their heart is just wrong. It's just, it's bad. And then even in this instance, it says that Lot's wife had this type of heart. 
her, her heart was bad and she was, she was serving God reluctantly. Like she's following after the family and her heart's like looking back as if, yeah, I'm, I'm doing it physically, but my heart's not there. I'm doing what, what you told me to do, but really inside, I don't like you. That's, that's what's happening. And we see the, the destruction that happened. What's interesting is, is when we move it to the New Testament, move it to after Jesus saved us and kumbaya and everything's good, what's interesting is when we, when we say yes to Jesus and we, when we're doing everything right, it's like, you know what? I'm showing up for my 2.5 Sundays out of the month and I'm going to be doing this and I do this and I serve and blah, blah, blah. Be wary because that's the same heart that Lot's wife had. And I'm not saying if you look down the wrong door at church, you're going to turn into a pillar of salt. Okay, just don't, don't get that wrong. What's, what's happening here is God saying, when you're serving and doing everything right, but your heart is wrong, it's going to kill you and eat you alive on the inside. It's just going to wear you down to you got nothing left, and then you're just bitter and entrenched, and you got sitting at home the rest, you know, it's, it's just like, I, I don't need to describe it. We can, we've all seen the shows. So, let me move on. I get distracted too much, guys. I need to stay focused. Choose to serve with a bad heart. That's the three types of serving. The third one is this, choose to serve with a good heart. It's when you're serving and you're, you're doing the things, but inside, you're saying, man, I'm, I'm happy to do this. I, I love Jesus. I love God. I, I want to help out. This, this word is literally described as worship. That's what worship is. It's saying, I am helping, but my, my heart is good. When, when God looks at worship, it's not just, okay, we turn on some music and we lift our hands or sit there or do the, the Christian sway, you know? It's, I am showing up, and when I help and my heart's good, that's worship to Jesus. That's what that is. It's a complete act of worship. So going back to Scripture, I, I want to I look at this one more time. Then God rained brimstone and fire down on Sodom and Gomorrah, a river of lava from God out of the sky, and destroyed these cities and the entire plain and everyone who lived in the cities and everything that grew from the ground. But Lot's wife looked back and turned into a pillar of salt. Abraham got up early the next morning and went to the place he had so recently stood with God. He looked out over Sodom and Gomorrah, surveying the whole plain. All he could see was smoke belching from the earth like smoke from a furnace. Number three, how to succeed in God's hands. How to succeed in God's hands. So, so we looked at this concept of what does it mean to serve? What does it mean to be plucked? What is, it, what is, it, is our perspective right? But now, how do we succeed? Like, we know the consequences, right? It's going to eat us alive. Like, it's, we're going to fail <laughs> unless we do something. But it would be remiss if I didn't explain what to do when God pulls you up disconnects you from the earth and is carrying you to your next season. We need to know what those are. So A, don't look back, look down. 
I think one of the most interesting things is in the, in the English translation, it says, but Lot's wife looked back. And then the next verse, Abraham got up early the next morning, went to the place where he so recently stood with God. He looked out over. Same word, looked, right? But did you know in the Hebrew, in like the original language when they wrote it out, these are two different words? And it's translated as looked. But what's so interesting to me is that when you read the looked that's connected to her name, it says to consider going back. That's, that's looking and, and daydreaming of what if I just walk back? What if, what if I just go back with them? What if I just show up and just leave right now? And her heart is considering just quitting this whole thing. And then the difference is Abraham. It says when Abraham looked, it said that he looked down upon the city as if it was beneath him. There's like this disgust feeling that the word is trying to get across. And so Lot's wife is looking saying, oh, just, I wish I could go back. And then Abraham's look is like, Ugh. <laughs> yuck. And, he like, and so God, in this moment, God only said, don't look on the city. And Abraham looked. But God's not looking at the action. He's looking at our heart. And that is so evident. Just because you're doing all the right things, you're checking all the right stuff off, doesn't mean you're doing the right thing. God's looking at our hearts. That's what we're after here. I, I, I want to say, um, I've shared this before, and, and I taught on this uh, quite a while back, but the reason why Lot's wife looked back you know, it's easy to think, oh man, you know what, she, she decorated good or she had a nice house. She finally got the house she wanted and a good mortgage at a good rate or whatever. But the thing that's describing why she looked back, it, it's actually, it's kind of hidden in the scripture. Um, a lot of times we read, oh, Lot and his two daughters and a wife left the city, but she's looking back. But what's interesting is sh they had four daughters. There was four. So if you read the, the Hebrew translation, you read that two daughters were actually married. And the, the son-in-laws stayed in the city, which means the wives stayed in the city. And then the other two, who were not married, went with them. And so Lot's wife has this broken heart because she's walking forward with half her family. And she's walking forward and she's leaving and God's rescuing them, and she's moving forward, and she feels this disconnected, isolated feeling of half my family's saved, and the other half isn't. And she's torn in the middle. And, and she's like, should I just go back? Because it's too hard to leave them behind. And this is, this is one of the most perfect pictures of a hard marriage relationship. Okay, can we, just, can we just get real for a moment? When half your family's doing well and loving Jesus and the other half ain't. 
and you're torn between the two. And if you've ever been saying, you know what, it would be easier if we just love Jesus on our own and just succumb to go back to with the rest of the family. And God's saying, you do that, you will be destroyed internally. Can, can you just take the encouragement that God's giving, even though this really doesn't seem very encouraging? But it's, it's this concept of when we're in the middle and we're resting in God's hands, we need to look back and say, they're not with me, but I'm disgusted until I get them with me. That's, that's this concept. Rather than saying, I want to quit, I want to fight to get them here. There's, there's a perspective shift. That's the shift that Abraham had. It's, I, I'm disgusted at what's happening, but I want to rescue as much as I can. That's, that's the that's salvation concept that's going on here. And so, how to succeed in God's hands. It's not about looking back, it's about looking down. Saying, I, I want to rescue, I want to save. I, I, I don't want to go back to where I came from. That's how we succeed in God's hands. B, the, the second aspect of succeeding in God's hands, when, when, he, when the farmer plucks the coffee bean from the plant and brings us into our next season, how we succeed in his hand without losing our perspective and, and driving ourselves crazy is B, trust in God's control. Does anyone else besides me have, like, control issues? Like, if, if you're not in control at that moment, like, it's like you just start going crazy. Um, oh, my gosh. We were, we were on vacation this last <laughs> I've never seen so many hands go up from, from one person. <laughs> uh, we, were, we were on vacation this last week, and there were some moments where um, the control was um, – out of my hand, yanked from my hand, and it was just, it was a little hard, it was a little difficult, um, but we survived, <laughs> so, so that was good. There, there's this moment where when God takes us out, when he takes the coffee bean, when he, the farmer grabs and takes it, the coffee bean has to trust in the farmer's process. Can't, the coffee bean can't be plucked and say, all right, farmer, I know what's next. I got it. Let me just roll to the next stage. That's not, that's not what happens. The farmer, we have to trust the farmer's process. And what's hard with the process is sometimes it's not in the same time frame that we want it to be in. The farmer sometimes takes a little while getting from the plant to the drying room. And we have to be okay with that. There's a whole time aspect. There's a whole control aspect. There's a whole do you know what you're doing aspect because it doesn't look like you know what you're doing because it doesn't feel right. But yeah, God's like, yeah, of course it doesn't feel right because you want to be in your own control and I want you to be in my control. And he is willing to butt heads with you for as long as you need. Time doesn't matter to him. Trust in God's control. You know what's interesting about the story? Abraham got up early the next morning, and in my mind, if I was in Abraham's shoes, and I knew what was going on, because Abraham knew what was going on, I kind of would want to see the destruction, okay? <laughs> I'm not saying I'm a pyro or anything, I just, I'd want to see what happened, but Abraham got up the next morning, and you know he wanted to see the destruction, but the order 
of the sentence structure speaks volumes of Abraham's heart. Listen to it. Abraham got up the next morning and went to the place he had so recently stood with God. And then he happened to see the stuff. See, Abraham didn't care about that. He cared about finding God to hear the next part of the journey. He went to go find God the last place he, he left him. So trust in God's control. Trust in God's control by going back to where you last heard God speak to you. Go, go trust God's control of, of God. You spoke to me in the scripture. I want to open this up. I, I need to get in here. And, and he'll start leading you to the next season, leading to the next step. And see how to succeed in God's hands. See, move forward with God. So key. Move forward with, with God. Highlight, circle, underline, I don't know, whatever you got, do it. I think it's, it's easy to feel the move of God and be like, yeah, and just camp out there forever. But that's not where God wants us to stay. God wants to give us a fresh word, a fresh anointing, a fresh thing each day. And then he's like, all right, tomorrow, let's pick it up and move forward again. God is calling us to keep moving forward with him. Not to stay stagnant, not to stay lifeless, but to move forward with God. That's huge. When, when going back to coffee bean, when the farmer grabs the coffee beans and he's carrying it, we can either be dropped and stay there, touched by the farmer and never move again or keep moving forward with the farmer and a lot of christians they feel the touch of god and then fall out and just wait on the farmer to come back to the same spot it's like no farmer i'm i'm waiting for you here he's like i'm here to take you no but you you touched me here i need to stay here what that's the in between you need to go to the next season of your life that's the concept. We, we are called to serve. We're called to serve the kingdom. It's, it, it's all different facets. It looks like different things to everyone, but we're all called to serve. And by serving, that's an attitude of worship. That's what it is. If I could implore you and encourage you in any sense of this, identify how you can worship God in your everyday life. That's an act of service. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, I, I love this, this illustration and this picture that you gave our church for this next season. This concept of coffee, which I'm obsessed with, God. Thank you so much for, for giving this, this insight of all the steps of a coffee bean and relating it to our lives. But I, I, I really pray, Lord, that wherever we are at on our journey, you would keep us moving forward. We've been touched by you. We, we've heard from you. We've witnessed your miraculous signs and wonders and, and everything. But I pray that you wouldn't let us just grow stagnant and stay still, but move us forward in life. 
we are relinquishing control issues that we might have and frustrations that we got to sit in your hands and to trust in you. In your mighty name, amen. Amen. Thanks for checking us out today, and I really want to encourage you to check out lighthouse805.com if you want to get more connected or even if you want to help support the ministry. I'll talk to you later. Bye.